Well, tonight is a topical sermon that uh, is going to help us to uh, understand some of the personal possessions that we have uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ and some of the possessions we have because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's different kinds of sermons. Uh, There's uh, textual sermons that, that come from one text. That is the outline, the primary outline comes from one text, and then you tell all about that text. doesn't mean you can't use other texts, but the primary outline comes from one text. For example, you might preach about John 3.16. You tell all about John 3.16 for God, and you tell all about God. God's so loved, and you tell all about his love and the world, and you tell about what the world is, and not, not the geography, but the, but the people. And then, and then there's a, a strict definition of, of a sermon that's called the expository sermon, not to be confused with expository preaching, but an expository sermon gets its outline from two or more verses in a row. And then there's a, a, a sermon that um, some people call a running commentary that has no particular outline, but you go through and exegete a series of verses in a row without any particular outline. And then there's a topical sermon where you pick a topic and then you go to different verses in the Bible and uh, get, pick out verses that tell about that topic. It might be a doctrine. It might be a doctrine of Trinity, the Trinity, or it might be God, or it might be salvation, or anything. So... Topic. So, so this is a topical sermon tonight, and uh, I want to take an abbreviated look at this doctrine of uh, grace. Now, to be truthful with you, uh, the pastor made me have a heart attack this morning when he started going off on grace <laughs> in his sermon. I said, "Oh no, he's going to preach about grace tonight this morning." Uh, But that's okay. Did you know I was going to preach about grace? How did you know to sing Amazing Grace? Just an easy song everybody knew? Well, that's good. There's an advertisement on TV or an advertisement. If you're from a different part of the country, you might call it advertisement. But there's an ad on TV that says that this company can reveal your ethnicity through blood samples, or DNA to discover who you are. Apparently, they have discovered the answer to the age-old question, who am I? Satisfied customers give testimony to the fact that they have discovered who they are. One person says, I'm 11% uh, Italian, 16% English, 19% Polish, 23% Scottish, 26% American Indian. Now, if you're quick at arithmetic, you'll see that only adds up to 95. So I'm wondering what that other 5% is on that one. And then this person says, quote, now I know who I am. I can wear the right clothes. I can relate to others better. I can feel better about myself, unquote. Some of you recall the immortal words of the cartoon character Popeye. 
as he would uh, proclaim to his girlfriend, Olive Oil, and to his lifelong nemesis, Brutus, he would say, I am what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Well, he knew who he was. The Apostle Paul was not the first to address this question of who I am, who am I? But King David addressed it in Psalms chapter 8, verse 3, when he said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you have thought of him? I can just picture David out with his sheep one night out in the desert or wherever he did, you know, some oasis or somewhere, and he would uh, maybe have to set up a sheepfold, maybe out of a thorn of uh, a hedge of thorns, or maybe it was with some more permanent one with some rocks, or or maybe he had uh, Gene Autry had his cowboys to put up a American wire fence out there or something. I don't know, but I can picture him sitting in the the uh, door of the fold, the sheepfold or the gate of the sheepfold, lay his head on a rock and look up at the sky. And he could see all the stars because there was no bright city lights to uh, bleach out the stars. And he says in this verse, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers. And I can, I can just picture God said, I want that star there and that one. And I'm going to put the moon here and, and, and that one goes there. And David looks at the vastest of the universe and he says... What is man that you have thought on thought of him? Well, before any scripture was written, Job said almost the same thing in Job chapter 7. Job said in uh, 7.17, What is man that you magnify him and that you are concerned about him, that you examine him every morning? We do not have to understand our ethnicity to understand who we are in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Apostle Paul said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is certainly an age-old question. Who am I? What am I? Paul addressed that in this passage in 1 Corinthians uh, 15.10. And, it, and by looking at this word grace tonight, it's going to help us to understand who we are in Christ. Now, we're living in a time when some people uh, don't know exactly who they are. Some people don't know if they're male or female this week. Some people don't know what bathroom to go into this week. And you've heard it over and over again in the identity crisis. And this gender thing, and I thought our pastor did a marvelous job a couple of weeks ago about dealing with that. And in my humble opinion, of which I have a very high regard, I think you ought to expand on it, Pastor. Really. Marriage, divorce and remarriage, that kind of thing. I thought you did a wonderful job on that. Thank you for doing that. Now, the first time the word grace is used in the Bible is in Genesis 6-8. For the King James Version says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the New American Standard Bible, that word is translated favor. Both are acceptable translations. The last time the word grace is mentioned in the Bible 
is in Revelation 22:21. It says, quote, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I do not think it unusual or happenstance that the Lord would close out the canon of Scripture with the word grace and the Lord Jesus Christ. A favorite hymn of many is Amazing Grace. The words are written by John Newton, 1725-1807. Grace is one of those special words that belongs to the child of God. God has given believers certain words that the world just does not appreciate. For example, glory, amen, hallelujah, faith, hope, uh, trinity, uh, and you can name a lot of other things. The dictionary defines grace as unmerited help given to people by God. However, grace is much more than that. Listen to this extended definition. The merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. That's a good definition. I like the first definition because I can remember it. I can't remember the second one. It's God's unmerited favor given to us. In the context of 1 Corinthians 15, the great apostle was defending the resurrection of the Lord Jesus against the doubt of unbelievers. He mentioned the fact that the resurrected Christ was seen first by Peter and then the 12 and then the 500 brethren and then last of all by the apostle Paul himself. Paul proceeds to tell the readers that because of his sins and his attacks on the church that he did not uh, have a right to even be named among the apostles. However, Paul goes on to say that he knows God has used him and anything he has, is, or will be is because of the precious grace of God. I would like to remind each of us tonight that the same is true for you and me, because of our sinfulness, we deserve nothing less than an eternity in hell apart from the presence of the Almighty. However, because His grace has revealed unto us, His grace was revealed unto us in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus, we can be saved and used of the Lord in a wonderful fashion. Today, by the help of the Lord, I'd like to show you some of the possessions that the child of God has because of this grace. Join me for a few moments as we look at I am what I am because of grace. Number one. I am saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Nothing we do on our own gets us to heaven. It is because of the gift of God that anyone here tonight is a believer. 
is because of the precious gift of God, His grace and His faith, that we have the gift of eternal life. It is nothing that we do on our own. We do not pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, so to speak. Uh, we can't slap ourselves on the back and say, look what I've done. The Bible says it's for, by grace that we have been saved. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Did you know that God's grace is rich? Now, when I say that phrase, a believer will understand what I mean, that God's grace is rich. And a believer will say, Amen. That's great. I love it. An unbeliever is going to say, What? <laughs> what does that mean? What does it mean to be rich? Listen, if you're a believer tonight, you know how rich grace is. It tells us here in, the, in this verse, In Him you have redemption through His blood. That's what it cost. His blood. Because of Christ shed his blood for you, you have redemption of your trespasses. You have been redeemed. I remember as a young, young boy, my mother used to collect S&H green stamps and used to collect uh, the yellow TV stamps, the top value stamps. And she would go, she'd make my father go to the gas station and stores where they gave these stamps. And she would put them in a, a, a little book, a little book about this size, and uh, collect them up. She'd have a stack of books, maybe like that. And then we would go to the S&H Redemption Store, and she would get uh, kitchen utensils, pots, pans, appliances, lamps, all kinds of things. I thought it was a strange thing. We'd go there without money, and she could get those things with the uh, stamps go to the redemption store and get the get that merchandise well the lord has redeemed us and with something far more precious than snh green stamps and 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 uh, tv stamps it's through his blood that's how rich this grace is we, you have been redeemed through the blood of the lord jesus christ well the believer is, is saved by grace. Number two. If I push that. Uh oh, it wasn't supposed to do that. Number two. I am sure by grace. In Romans 5.2. It says through Christ. Whom also we, uh, we have obtained our inheritance by faith. Into his grace. In which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Now, you can stand on and with God's grace. I'm not asking you to stand with my grace. It's God's grace where you can stand. Not the preacher's grace. Not Pastor Mark's grace. Not the church grace. Not the denomination grace. But God's grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can stand on it. We can be sure of it. We can have confidence in it. Not only that, 
we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this hope that is mentioned here uh, is, is uh, the same kind of hope that is mentioned in Titus. Titus calls it the blessed hope, the hope of heaven. We can rejoice in the gift of eternal life that Christ has given to us. You can be sure by grace. You can be sure of his grace. You can be sure of what Christ has done through his blood. Not supposed to skip a frame. Uh-oh, I messed up. That's number four. I'm afraid to go back. I'm afraid it's going to mess up. If I go back, will that be all right? No, <laughs> see, it went back to the beginning. I'll leave it there. I'll try not to do that again. Number three, I am secure by grace. Now, you're going to see that some of these overlap just a little bit. Listen to this. Romans 3.24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Now, to be justified is to be declared saved. It's just as if the righteous judge sits at the judge's seat. Uh, what does a what does a judge seat sit on? What is he a judge's seat, judge's desk, judge's whatever? And he hits the proverbial gavel, and he declares you to be justified. He declares you to be saved. Now there is a, a teaching that's going around the past few years that says. We're not justified until after we're glorified, till after we get to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. We are justified. God calls us. God chooses us. God justifies us. Now, there's a special teaching that's going around in some circles that is called the uh, new Pauline, what's the other word, preacher? Perspective. Pauline perspective. Yeah, I forgot it. The new Pauline perspective. What that says is, that Paul really didn't mean what he said when he said it. Now, let me tell you this. This preacher says that when you're saved, you're justified. Justification comes at the beginning of salvation. The righteous judge declares you to be saved. He says here in Romans 3.24, Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. You can be sure of your salvation. You can be sure that you're justified. Believers are justified. If you have the grace of God, you are justified. Now, the way I remember that is a simple definition. A preacher told me a long time ago what justification means. It means just if I had never sinned. And God declares us saved just if I had never sinned. A sinner undone, but God loved me and saved me. I am secure by grace. Let's see if this works right. <laughs> Number four, I am strengthened by grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 
And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now there's going to be another point named sufficient, so bear with me. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. If you are a believer tonight, God's grace has brought strength to you. Now I've often wondered what kind of strength this is. Is it physical strength, mental strength, or is it spiritual strength? Well, I think it's primarily spiritual strength. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 13.9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Hey, you want to have a good heart? It'll be strengthened by grace. God's grace comes to you, and our heart is strengthened. Now, I don't know if that's talking about the muscle, the cardiac thing, and the muscle that it gets strengthened. But our heart is strengthened. Now, I want to read some verses to you from First uh, uh, Peter to help explain this as, by way of illustration. And once, uh, it's going to be self-explanatory when I read these verses, uh, the kind of strength that I'm talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as alien and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the question comes to us, how can I do all of that? How can I have an excellent behavior? Uh, how can I abstain from fleshly lust that weighs war against my soul? It's because of God's grace. God's grace strengthens you. You want grace to fight the the spiritual battles of the day, God's grace will strengthen you. And then another one in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, how are you going to do all that? How are you going to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, uh, brotherly kind-hearted, humble, uh, not returning evil for evil, but good for good? God will strengthen you through His grace to be more Christ-like. And then it goes on to say, For the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, if we're going to do good and not evil, if we're, if we're going to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble, not returning evil for evil, how do we have the strength to do that? I would say that our human nature would cause us to uh, react in a negative way. 
Uh, I'm going to get them so they don't get me back. I'm going to get them first. That'd be our human nature. But the Bible says just the opposite. How do we have the strength to be more Christ-like? It's through His grace. Number five, I am supplied by grace. In Hebrews 4.16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Now we have mercy and grace come on the scene. Hey, do you have a need sometime? Do you have a need from time to time? Look at that verse. We come to the throne of grace and God somehow gives us more and more grace. He approached the throne of grace in prayer and look what he says. We find we can receive mercy and find grace in time of need. I am supplied by grace. Number six, I am sufficient by grace. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now, notice he qualifies the, the abundance here and the, and the sufficiency. It's for good deeds, not bad deeds. It's for doing good, not doing wrong. Did you know that God never, uh, never condones sin? God may help you through some sins or help you through some sinful situations, but he never condones it. Is God's grace that that, uh, abounds to us and is always sufficient. All grace abound to you and it's abundant for every good deed. I am sufficient by grace. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for you. Number seven, I am somebody by grace. Now, you'll notice I had to stretch this point a little bit to get an S in there to make my, make my point. But you'll see what I mean because of what Paul said. I am somebody by grace. Look what he says in Ephesians 3, 7 through 8. Of which I am made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentile the unfathomable riches of Christ. God took a a person who hated Christians, who tried to kill Christians, tried to put Christians in prison, hated the church, And he brought God's grace into his life and he turned his life around. Made somebody out of him. I read the story one time about Howard Carter who discovered 
uh, King Tut's tomb and all the, you've heard about all the riches they got out of the, the tomb. The story was that his, he gave his wife some, some of the old dried up bulbs out of the, some of the pottery. And she took, took some of those bulbs and put them in potting soil and watered them and nourished them, took care of them. And some of them bloomed, bloomed into a beautiful flower. You know, that's what God does with us. Takes an old dried up nothing. Make something beautiful out of our life. Just like he did with the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I'm the leastest of the least. And look, God has saved me. His grace has come to me. If you're a believer tonight, God's grace has come to you. Number eight, I am satisfied by grace. In Ephesians 2, 7 it says, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's grace can satisfy your soul more than anything else that the world has to offer. The riches of his grace is surpassing. The grace that come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ surpasses all riches that the world can give to us. I am supplied, I am satisfied by grace. If you're a believer tonight, God's grace ought to satisfy your soul. Number nine, I am surprised by grace. Look what the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 8. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit even to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. And here's, here's the verse where I get the title. For by the grace of God, I am what I am. But I labored even, even the more than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God who is with me. Now, at the beginning of the message, I mentioned uh, John Newton and his amazing grace. Maybe you've heard this story about John Newton. John Newton was raised in a Christian home in which he was taught verses of the Bible, but his mother died at the early age of six, and he was sent off to live with uh, relatives who hated the Bible and mocked Christianity. Newton ran away to sea. And he was wild in those years and was known to be able to swear for two hours without repeating himself. He was forced to enlist in the British Navy, but he deserted and was captured and was beaten publicly for his punishment. Eventually, Newton got into the Merchant Marines and went to Africa. In his memoirs, he wrote that he went to Africa for only one reason. Quote, that I might send my full. Newton fell in with a Portuguese slave trader 
in whose home he was cruelly treated. This man often went away on slaving expeditions, and when he was gone, the, the power of his household was passed to his African wife, the chief woman of his harem. She hated all white men and vented her hatred on Newton. He says that for months he was forced to grovel in the dirt, to eating his food like a dog, and if he tried to touch the food, he would be beaten mercilessly. In time, thin and emaciated, Newton made his way to the sea where he was picked up by a British ship making its way to England. When the captain of the ship learned that he knew something about navigation as a result of being in the British Navy, the captain made him one of the ship's mates. But even then, Newton fell into trouble. One day while the captain was ashore, he broke into the rum locker and got the crew drunk. Newton was so drunk, when, when the captain came back and struck him, he fell overboard and would have drowned if one of the sailors had not quickly hauled him back on board. Near the end of one voyage, as they were approaching Scotland, the ship ran into a bad weather and was blown off course. Water poured in, and the ship began to sink. The recklessly wasteful young man, Newton, was sent down into the hold to pump water. The storm lasted for days. Newton was terrified. He was sure that the ship would sink and would soon go down. But in the hold of the ship, as, des as he desperately pumped water, the grace, the God of all grace, whom he had tried to forget but never forgot him, brought to his mind the verses that he had learned at home as a child. The way of salvation was open to him. He was born again and deeply transformed. Much later, when he was in England again, Newton began to study theology and eventually became a preacher, first in a little town called Olney and then in London. Of that storm, William Cowper wrote. William Cowper was a British poet who was personal friends with John Newton. He wrote this poem. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. If you look in our hymnal on page eight, on hymn number 88, you'll see that hymn, God works in mysterious ways. We sang hymn 89 tonight, 88 is just before it, by William Cowper. And so he does. Newton was a great preacher of grace, for he had learned that where sin increased, grace abounded even more. He is proof that the God of grace is sufficient to save anybody and that he saves them by grace alone. If you're a believer tonight, you're saved by God's grace, not by anything you did for yourself, not by any means. Church didn't save you. Parents didn't save you. Uh, family didn't save you. The Lord Jesus Christ, through his grace, saves you. Many things in life may fail us. Friendships will blossom and then die. Health can be a, an elusive thing. 
Riches and wealth will often remain just out of the reach of our fingertips. Those we love may pass away and leave a large void in our hearts. It's hard to fill. Churches come and churches go. Churches rise and churches fall. However, there's one thing that every child of God possesses that can never fail, never end, never run out, never run dry, never be found to be insufficient, and that is the grace of God. Yes, the road of our human existence may be long and dreary, and the days may be filled with difficulties and struggles, but rest assured that there will be grace sufficient for every need and every trial. That is the promise of God, and that is the hope of every saint. The Bible ends with this verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Revelation 22:21. Do you think it's by happenstance that God would talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and grace in the same sentence at the close of the canon of Scripture? I don't think so. I think God's word is precise and it's there just for a reason. God wants us to remember his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. You read through the Bible, the last verse you come to you come to is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your wonderful grace, for the gifts you give to us. Thank you for uh, giving us the faith to believe. Thank you for the gift of eternal life you've given to us. We thank you for paying sin's debt for us. Thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and for what all of that means. As the Lord, we want to leave tonight rejoicing in the hope of glory as you told us to. We want to leave tonight rejoicing in the good and great things that God has promised us. And Lord, even in times of difficulty, we know that your grace is sufficient. That our lives can be sure and secure in your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gift of eternal life offered to us through Jesus Christ, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.